This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And welcome to the 1912 Excels podcast, the podcast made by Newport County fans for Newport County fans. I'm Jamie and I'm back with another special guest on the pod. Off-field action has very much consumed our attention in recent weeks. While an injury crisis in defence and a tough run of fixtures has seen Newport struggle on the pitch too. You can check out Ian's matchday diary from our trip to Salford last week. Uh, there's also a check-in with Argus Beat reporter Chris Cohen and a run-out of the tactics truck, all on our podcast feed. Uh, incidentally, if you liked any of those episodes or the John Pratt and Rob Phillips interviews, we'd be delighted if you could leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. After all, we're doing these for you, the fans, and we want to ensure that we're providing you with the content you're looking for. You can also donate the price of a coffee towards our running costs. There's a link in the show notes. Now, we'll cover the Colchester and Harrogate games in a pod over the weekend, but for this episode, we'll focus on the takeover. After Hugh Jenkins's bid was waved through by the Supporters' Trust, we're entering a new era for the club. Preferred to the bid put forward by John Pratt, uh, which you can listen to the interview we did with him uh, wherever you get your podcasts, Hugh Jenkins has said he will seek to stabilise the club during the early stages of his tenure. Um, a reminder that there are still some hurdles to clear, such as the EFL owner's test, uh, before he takes a majority shareholding of the club. And a reminder too that the Supporters Trust will retain a minority shareholding and two seats on the board, we're told. Hugh Jenkins was preferred largely due to his hands-on approach, and much of that is down to his experience at Swansea City, where he was chairman for a considerable number of years. To find out more about his time with the Swans down the road, we asked lifelong Swansea fan, comedian, podcaster and Welsh football pundit, Alice James, to tell us all about it. Well, I'm delighted to welcome onto the pod Alice James. Ellis is not only a Swansea City supporter, but through his radio and podcast work, including his Feast of Football podcast with Danny Gabidon and Ewan Roberts, he has become one of the premier voices of Welsh football. Ellis, welcome to the 1912XL's pod. Thanks for coming on. Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you very much for having me. No worries at all. Uh, now, before we get into the Hugh Jenkins and the Swans, I wanted to ask about your sentiments towards Newport County. Now, I know you're not a county fan, but you, you cover the club regularly. Um, I believe you've 
narrated a BBC documentary on the on the club a few years ago as well. So what's the first thing that you think of when you hear Newport County or the thing that really defines the club to you? Uh, I've I've developed a fondness for Newport County now. I mean, when the Swans were in the lower divisions, we effectively had massive rivalries with all of the Welsh clubs. Uh, and I still have those feelings for Cardiff City, but my feelings towards Newport and Wrexham have completely thawed over the last sort of 10 or 15 years, especially as well, because um, with doing a lot of Wales away, I've met a lot of Wrexham and Newport County fans doing that. I was chatting to a county fan in Latvia, because I remember going to watch the Swans play Newport at Spitty Park in the FAW Premier Cup. I went to a few of those mm-hmm. games and also... Um, in the FA Cup game around 2006 when the linesman got hit with a coin. I was there for that. And with Newport, my my general feeling really is that if you're from Wales, I would prefer you to support any of our Welsh rivals than a big English club. So whenever I see county fans, I, I always think, good, because the easy choice is to support Liverpool or Man United or Man City or whatever. So I, I was quite in my... Uh, County fans. Um, I never got to visit Summerton Park when it was quite an it was quite an intense rivalry, from my understanding. The eighties. I'm, I'm too young for that, but uh, I've and I I'm also very fond of Rodney Parade. I think it's a I think it's a great ground. So yeah, I uh, my feelings towards Newport have have changed quite a lot probably since my early twenties when I just. Yeah, like the same with Merthyr, Merthyr Town. I really like, I've, I've, I've done a lot of filming at Penadaran Park and everyone's so friendly at Penadaran. Yeah, it was when we used to play them, certainly in the 80s and 90s, There was they were quite hostile fixtures because there's so many Cardiff fans on there. And it's good for Welsh football to have as many league clubs as possible. So if, especially the higher up they go, the better it is. So yeah, they're, 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 those are my feelings in a nutshell. I mean, one of the things we're hoping will help maintain that number of Welsh clubs in the Football League is Hugh Jenkins, who is set to take a majority ownership of Newport County. But I was looking through this and and the story actually holds some similarities with the Swansea City story in 2001, 2002, when he became chair of your club. I mean, I don't know the full ins and outs, and I was hoping you could enlighten us, actually. Uh, It seemed like a tumultuous time off the pitch. Uh, in a nutshell, what was going on at the time and uh, what was your emotional state like as as a fan during that period? We had, I think it was five managers in a in a season. It might have even been six. We, at one point, we appointed a guy called Kevin Cullis who'd never worked in proper football. He'd, he'd managed the youth team of sort of Cradley Town or a non-league side, but the youth, the youth team were very good. And he faxed his... Uh, he faxed his CV to the club. You know, they hadn't lost, his under-14 side hadn't lost for ages. And our then owners were like, well, that sounds great. And he got sacked by the players at half-time. We lost 7-0 to Fulham. And we, we, we were an absolute shambles. And we were for years and we were sold for a pound. And then we were sold again for a pound, I think, to a guy called Tony Petty. And as soon as... Yeah. He took over, he sacked seven players, he contracted the he terminated the contracts of another eight, he reduced everyone's wages. And that's when the the supporters' trust was uh formed because there was a big uh, protest, a big protest movement to try and get rid of him. But we'd had loads of bad owners and the 
ground was falling to bits and the attendances were low. So then eventually a consortium of local businessmen, of which Hugh Jenkins was the figurehead, really, or simply became the figurehead, uh, took the club over for, for very little money as well. I mean, I think in Jack, the Jack to a King film, I think he was paid, Tony Petty was paid 20 grand in a sort of carry bag. And that that's the difference, say, between us and... Chelsea or Newcastle United, like if if you don't like the owners at Newcastle United, you can't really have a whip round to buy Newcastle United because they're too big a club. Same goes for any of the big clubs. Same goes for the Glazers or Man United. Whereas with the Swans, you you didn't have to pay an enormous amount and then you were taking on the debts, but the debts weren't enormous. You know, it was in the sort of hundreds of thousands of pounds. So Hugh Jenkins took over. He, he had him and people like Lee Deneen and Martin Morgan. They had no background in running a football club. I think Hewood had played for the youth team for the Swans in the as a teenager and was a sort of fan of the club. And I should say, before I go on to talk about this, he is no longer popular with the Swans, with a lot of Swans fans, because of the way that the club was sold to our current owners. So a lot of people can't forgive him for selling the club to our current ownership, who are very unpopular. I was actually going to ask you about that later on, but but now you brought it up. Is it maybe because it was a natural ceiling in terms of how far he could have taken the club or or maybe it was things and factors out of his control? I would say for about 10 years, they took nothing but correct decisions. So we'd never been bottom of the Football League before, but then we lost mm. 4-0 to Kidderminster Harriers, sort of Christmas 2002. I think, we, I, I think around that time, we were bottom of the Football League for the first time ever. And then we, he appointed... Brian Flynn, so got rid of Nick Cusack, who'd been a very a great leader during the Tony Petty thing. He was the PFA representative, but he was out of his depth uh, as a player manager. He appointed Brian Flynn, which was you know a stroke of genius, but a very very canny move. Flynn kept us up on the final day. I mean, we were ninety minutes away, we were sixty minutes away from relegation for the football league, which would have been you know terrible. And if we'd been relegated from the football league, no Liberty Stadium no Premier League, no trip to Europe, all of that kind of stuff. So he, he appointed Brian Flynn, which was a tremendously shrewd decision, I think. And then he appointed... And then Flynn carried on till the, till the next season. But then he appointed Kenny Jacket. Jacket got us promoted. So suddenly now we're back in League One. And my ambitions were always really the championship. I thought I thought that is... that That's sort of where... We, I think that's the natural order of things that's probably been in the championship. That that, that makes sense to me. Um, in terms of when you look at the size of the city and the catchment area of the club, and then Jacket um, resigned, and he was replaced by Roberto Martinez. Now again, Roberto Martinez, it was his first job. He got us promoted. Now he he then uh, employed Paulo Souza, who taught us how to defend. And then he employed Brendan Rogers. Now, Brendan Rogers, I'd never heard of Brendan Rogers. Like, you know, I think he was, was he at Watford? I can't even remember. Mm. So suddenly you think, okay, well, he's he's got this great record for spotting diamonds in the rough. And obviously we got promoted to the Premier League under Brendan Rogers. Now, this was sort of beyond my wildest dreams, really. I, I, I never thought we'd end up in the Premier League. If you told me... On that, the day of the Hull game back in 2003 when we had to beat them to stay up, if you told me that within eight years we would be in the top flight, I would have thought that you were crazy. I mean, it just... The first vision and us 
and Toshak in the early 80s, even though it was 22 years previously, it felt like a different planet. So like, it's like Forrest winning the European Cup or Ipswich winning in the UEFA Cup. Or It was one of those things that just seemed to belong to a completely different era. And in fairness, he, he was him and his team, they were very, very good at choosing managers. And they were also very good in the transfer market because they helped when it came to the transfer market because no manager has autonomy anymore. So yeah, we went we went Jacket, which was a great appointment, got promoted and him, Martinez, which was a great appointment, uh, Paulo Souza, which the, the football wasn't ideal, but you know, we 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 kind of needed to learn to defend, I think, under under Souza, and then Brendan Rogers, and then Michael Laudrup. And then Michael Laudrup, yeah. we ended up winning the League Cup and beating Valencia 3-0 away in Europe, which I think is the high point as a Swansea fan of the last 30 years. I, th- I think that was the high watermark. So I've got, I've got to hand it to him. For, for 10 years, we absolutely lived the dream. Yeah, and, and a lot of that can be put down to his shrewd appointments. And I don't know whether he got lucky, really lucky time after time, I think is a bit more than luck, isn't it? I'm not sure you could be lucky that often, to be honest. I think, I, I certainly with Roberto, he was giving Roberto a chance in the way that I think a lot of clubs wouldn't have done. And you could argue, I suppose, that we were quite skint and we had to think outside the box. But those outside the box decisions f- for a long time kept going, kept going right. So, you know, uh, I've I've got to hand it to him. I I know that a lot of our fans aren't aren't big fans of Hugh Jenkins anymore, but certainly for eight or nine years we were, we were similar to Brighton. I watched a video of Brighton the other day, and they came very close to being relegated from the football league. And um, to be honest, there there were there were, there are great parallels. And now we're back in the championship. And a lot of, you know, our owners are unpopular and Michael Duff, the jury is out, I should say. But certainly um, the last three years in the Premier League were quite miserable because we were just trying to stay up. But getting there was a fantastic ride. Yeah, well, without getting our listeners too excited about Europe, you know, Hugh Jenkins, he's got that experience of running a club now. You know, he he's done it before. I mean, he's been there. It's different to uh, when he took over the Swans in the early two thousands because they'd never, they'd never looked, they'd they'd never run a football team before. So, mm. you know, if if to be honest, it's um, he's he's got a wealth of experience now, and clearly he wants to get back involved in football. Also, he's a wealthy man. I mean, they they made an absolute fortune from selling the club, and he was paid very well as a as a director of the Swans when we were in the Premier League. So I don't know what his finances are, but he clearly is itching to get back into football. I mean, I, I never thought I'd see us in the in the top flight. I really didn't. And obviously, that's a lot to do with the players, and it's it's it's, it's, it's all to do with the players and the managers. But we were for, for a long time we were a well-run club. So you know, what can I say? Yeah, I I think it's that aspect you were talking about. You know, being a well-run club. I think that's what we want right now. We want to be a sustainable club. We we don't want to have these worries about getting relegated or or financial troubles. All of the highs of promotion in Europe, you know, that's one thing. 
but it's just having someone with that experience. Like I say, he spoke incredibly well at the trust meeting last week. You know, one of the other hosts of this podcast, Ed, called it Mugabe levels of support. You know, he got 98% of the vote. But we're kind of in a situation where it's Hugh Jenkins or bust right now. So I think, you know, we just want a bit of, you know, crawl before you can walk, walk before you can run. But it seems like he, he's got the nice and the experience to do that. And and from what you're saying, he did all the right things to, to make you sustainable. Yeah, Um an enormous thing with us was we moved to the Liberty Stadium and I was a huge fan of the Vetch. I loved the Vetch and I still miss the Vetch. And to be honest, my formative experiences of football really were at the Vetch, of going to football, certainly. And I think that I've never I've never felt as at home at the Liberty or the Swansea.com stadium as I did at the Vetch. But if you want to progress, you have to do that kind of thing. And there'd been talk of a new stadium for years. There'd be talk of redeveloping the Vetch. I mean, the old East Stand that was redeveloped in the in the early eighties, you know, for for when we were going to be in the first division. And so there were a lot of things that went right at the same sort of time. We were able to move grounds. The council obviously paid for it, which was ideal. And I don't know. I Bournemouth, Brighton. When you think of the clubs that have had that have broken the stranglehold of the Premier League and got into the Premier League who didn't really deserve to be there. You know, we're absolutely one of those clubs. And we 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 weren't fly we weren't a fly by night team. We were there for seven years. In the first three yeah. years we played some brilliant football. And the end, I think, once we when we got rid of Michael Loudrup and replaced him with Gary Monk, and then the whole emphasis was on staying up. And then we kind of lost our way a bit. You know, the Swansea way of playing possession based football that that went and then what happened with that was you ended up with quite an imbalanced squad because you had managers with different philosophies and different ideas coming in and buying players and then suddenly after a lot of uh, after a lot of that three or four managers down the line you have this squad that doesn't really make sense whereas with Martinez and uh, Rob uh, Rogers and Laudrup they wanted to play football in quite a similar way so the squad was coherent mm-hmm. and obviously Hugh Jenkins was a part of that and you know, I think we're in the championship now. I now I just want to stay up, and if we can make a, a go for the playoffs, th- then that's ideal. But I think it's it, it's really really important we stay in the championship because I think the second tier suits us. And if we can go go into the Premier League, that's great. But it would be damaging, I think, if we went into the lower divisions. In the same way, I think it would be great if County could get into League One because I think Newport as a city is definitely big enough to sustain a League One team. You know, with you having to play in England and being part of the IRA date and all that kind of stuff, there's a sort of lost generation of Newport County fans. So a little bit of success on the pitch now, would that would sow the seeds for a very long time. Because if you go around to Swansea in West Wales, you see loads of kids in Swansea shirts. That that was never the case when I was a young kid. When I was a, when I was a teenager, it was very, very rare to see Swansea shirts outside of the city of Swansea, and also you would—it was still mainly Man United and Liverpool and Arsenal and all that kind of stuff. But now it's it's Swansea shirts everywhere, and it just shows that there is a thirst amongst youngsters who are the important ones to support their local team if the local team are providing a good product on the pitch. So I really, really hope you get there. Yeah, absolutely, and and for what it's worth, I think as well, that's what everyone wants in Newport. You know, a community club that everyone can truly connect to you know Rodney Prey being in the city centre has been a huge help with that 
you mentioned a lost generation actually you know we feel the same it's it's arguably only in in recent years that we're making that ground up again yeah. well yeah and you know when i was living in cardiff newport was just full of liverpool fans that's what i used to think of when i used to think of newport and I'm, you know, going to watch the Swans at Spitty Park. There'd be crowds of seven or eight hundred. I used to think this is the third biggest city in Wales. I mean, it's hundreds of thousands of people live in the catchment within the catchment area of the club. They should be able to get more than seven or eight hundred. But then again, to have to start from the start to end up in the football league is an enormous triumph. So let's just see how far you can go. Exactly. Listen, Ellis James, thank you very much for joining us on the 1912 Excels podcast. My pleasure. Thanks once again to Ellis James for joining us on the 1912 XLs podcast. We hope that's given you some perspective of what a Hugh Jenkins-led football club looks like. Now, we'll be back with reaction to the Colchester and Harrogate games over the weekend. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to the pods. So you never miss an episode. And... Do leave us nice reviews if you like what we do. You can follow us on Twitter and other socials at 1912exiles. And you can also donate the price of a coffee towards our running costs. There's a link in the show notes for you. We'll see you again soon. But until then, stay safe and keep it county. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.